Hello and good morning, evening or afternoon, depending on when you are tuning into this latest edition of Edie's Susty Talks. If you're new here, Susty Talks are our short but sweet um, conversations with sustainability leaders from across the world that we launched during the lockdowns in 2020 to help keep us all a bit more informed and connected, even if we are pressed for time. Um, and I'm grateful to have on the line with me for this episode, um, Francois Dosar, who is the Executive Director for Strategy and Sustainability at Jaguar Land Rover. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Sarah. I'm very happy to be with you today. No, very happy to have you on for what I'm sure will be a great discussion about the net zero transition um, for the automotive sector. And I think it's probably worth um, starting with what exactly the business is committed to um, in, in those regards. So to recap on the company's reimagined sustainability strategy um, and its main targets in terms of the, the net zero transition. Sure. So again, thank you and a pleasure to be uh, talking about sustainability, which is uh, so important. I think that everybody now understands the urgency of uh, actions, not just talking, and uh, but really we need action now. So this is a little bit what we did in uh, uh, JLR with our plan, midterm plan called Reimagine. And in that plan, we say that sustainability is at the heart of what we do. So this is why first, you know, uh, sustainability sits with strategy in the company and at the board level. So I'm a board member uh, in charge of strategy and sustainability. So we've been putting sustainability, you know, at this level, showing how important it is. The first thing that we did was to commit to um, zero carbon in 2039. So when I joined the company, it was a little more than two years ago. I was told that, you know, we have this target and, you know, 2039 seems to be quite far away. So we decided to have uh, also to create by 2030 some commitments. So we committed to the SBTI targets by 2030. We would reduce by 46 percent our scope one and two and by 54 percent our scope free. For this to happen, if I take the example of scope one and two, we have 111 projects that we're going to deliver. So we started uh, more than a year ago until 2030 so that we achieve the 46% reduction. <coughs> so far, we're not, we're not doing too bad because we already reduced by 24% our scope one and two. So this is going well, but we have all the projects and we will deliver them all. Scope three, which is uh, the big target for us because it's uh, more than 95% of our emission. They are in scope three. So here, that's very interesting because we have two main uh, activities. The first one is electrification. And the second one is how we engage with our supply chain to get from our suppliers a job on their scope one and two, which is our scope three. So this is, you know, uh, what we are doing. So we are very, very clear, you know, on the on the journey. I like to use this word because it's a journey. I think that we will talk about sustainability. You know, it's on the agenda for at least 15 years. So that's really important. We need to understand what it is. So we started doing a lot of education in the company. 
we did some uh, trainings for all of our employees. So we did a first, you know, very basic uh, module that was um, how to explain sustainability to everybody. Now we're going, uh, we started the module number two, which is what does this change for my work in my day to day? Because we all need to change, you know, the way we work, we think, we act, because if not, nothing will change. So, you know, all of this is, is really happening with uh, intensity, I would say, um, which is good. And just to finalize, and so your first question, Sarah, also important for me to mention that JLR, we belong to the Tata Group, and the Tata Group, our chairman, made a very clear statement that he wants the Tata Group to be one of the most sustainable group in the world, if not the most sustainable group in the world. And for this, it means that all of the companies in the group have to be the most sustainable in their own area. So it is good because, you know, we are part of a bigger movement, which is the, the Tata Group movement. And we have then our own plan reflecting the engagement of, uh, of, of Tata. So this is really this is really nice. Great. I think it's promising to hear, as you say, that there are more than 100 projects because a lot of companies sort of come up with the big plan and then you don't get to see much of what's going on behind the scenes. So it'd be great to hear a little bit more about the delivery um, of of those targets and, and some projects. I know you've mentioned some there in terms of employee training, but I know there are really important levers there in terms of, for example, electrification and, as you mentioned, supply chain as, as well. Yeah. So, you know, we, we of course, we uh, as I told you, we started with the projects in scope one and two. So here, everything that you can imagine, energy consumption. I give you a, a good example of that. So we need, you know, to minimize the use of energy. So first is to be sure that we use renewable energy. So we have a, all a plan of having all our energy to be renewable. But then it's not because it's renewable that you can use as much as you want. So you need to minimize the use of, of energy. And for this, we are we have a project with one of the Tata company called TCS, uh, and they have a software. So we, we are doing some POCs with three of our plans to see how this software can help reduce 15 to 20% uh, the use of energy that we are having in the plant. And you know, it's very intensive in terms of energy to produce cars. So this is, this is, this is one example. You think of water, you think of waste. You know, we have projects on all of these topics. So this is the scope one and two. So this is what is directly in our hands, uh, what we can immediately uh, uh, work on. And then we have the scope three. So you mentioned electrification. So electrification is also something that we are very, we have a plan. I'll give you one example. All the new Jaguar that we're gonna build uh, and sell are all electric. No more petrol or diesel car, everything will be electric. And on Range Rover, we also have a plan to electrify uh, all of our models. It will take a little longer. Uh, but, you know, we have <clears throat> a clear plan. And finally, with uh, the suppliers, I'm very proud of uh, what my colleagues in industrial operations, they did. Uh, they made 5,000 suppliers sign uh, an engagement on sustainability. So as I was mentioning, on their scope one and two, so that you know it impacts our 
scope three. So we have very good example. For example, if I take uh, the glass, so uh, many of the glass suppliers, and you know that in a car we use a lot of glass, uh, committed to reduce, uh, and they're already giving the first data, and the first data set was very positive, and it's helping me to achieve my scope three uh, target for this year, for this year, because you know, the, the, I, I told you, zero by 39, reduction, let's say 50% by 30, but we measure year after year. I'm not waiting you to do 30. And so, uh, and every month I report to the board uh, where we are in scope one, two, and three. There is also a very important program around the circularity, because again, you know, we need to recycle as much as we can um, our parts. Uh, so, aluminium, all the commodities, you know, we, we, we are now engaged into a circularity program. So the first closed loop that we could uh, close is uh, on aluminium. So we're very happy. We have, like aluminium, 18 other commodities where we are engaged to close the loop. So um, again, you know, uh, Sarah, what, 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 I, what I think is really nice in sustainability is that it started with education because everybody understands that we need to do something. Climate change is here. Uh, you know, it's just you just read the newspaper and you understand what's happening. We need to do something. Okay. But the fact that I understand it doesn't mean that I'm changing the way I act. And this is where we where we want to where we want to go. So we did first the um, e-learning for everybody. And now we are coming into okay, what does it change in my day-to-day business? So this is where I'm, I'm really excited and motivated because now people understand that they have to do things differently. So this is why I think that we, we're talking about a movement. It's, you know, you put people first understanding and then in movement and changing uh, day after day the way. And then probably this has an impact when we go back home because then we say, okay, at home also I can do things differently. The way I'm educating my kids because, you know, I can tell them, oh, look what I'm doing at, at work. And then I think that if all the companies everywhere we do this, there is a hope that something will change. I must say it's great to hear such positivity and some great stories of successes and progress in what we've discussed, because often we hear so much about challenges that are facing OEMs at the moment in the net zero journey, in the electrification journey. We hear about supply chain disruption. We hear about policy chopping and changing. Um, so I I'd love to hear how you and your team are working to reframe those challenges as opportunities and overcome them when you're working towards net zero. So, Sarah, I think that you, yeah, you're absolutely right. There are two ways of seeing sustainability. You can say, oh, this is a, I have a lot of constraints because there is new regulation and there is TCFD and there is CSRD and I have to report, blah, 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 blah. That's a constraint. This is negative. This has a cost. Okay, that's a way you can see it. There's another way you can see all of these regulation as an opportunity, an opportunity to be proactively changing the way you do things. So now there is also something which is very interesting that I'd like to to mention to you, carbon now has to be taken into any decision of investment that we make. Um, 
and this is absolutely new for this uh, for this industry. So, what is the because I need to monetize the reduction of CO2 that I'm doing and putting this in the equation of an investment. Because if I don't do this, I will tell you, oh, sustainability costs a lot of money. And then probably because I have to show good results to the analysts, I will not do it or I will wait. If I understand that there is a benefit in the CO2 reduction, then it will be part of the right investment decision. So this is also what we are working on to be to make it, you know, also positive in the way we see investment and and we will do as a priority the investment that will most reduce the CO2 emissions. You know, it changes everything. Um, and that's very again, that's very powerful. And if you see it as a constraint, probably you don't do it. But again, I told you we are in a group. And in this group, we decided uh, sustainability is very important. Let me be a little bit cynical. We also think that doing this will have a big impact on the valuation of the company. I'm sure that the market will see the best companies in the future are the most sustainable. The best companies in the future are the most diverse and inclusive because diversity and inclusion for us sits under the, the umbrella of, uh, of uh, sustainability. So, you know, or you do it because you really think that, you know, we have to change things because the planet is not, you know, uh, we, we need to do something or you do it for cynical reasons, but both are good. At the end, you do it and we can, again, prepare a much better world for the future generation because this is really what is at stake here. And we have to do, we, we, there is no more choice. We have to do it. So let's do it proactively. Let's do it smartly, changing our references, the way we, we see the investments and, and all of this. And then I think that we can make a difference. Yeah, I think that point about proactivity is so important because it's something that, as we know, 92% of GDP is now covered by net zero targets. Most big businesses now have a net zero target. Um, of in some way or other, but I think as well as proactivity, something that people often speak about is is collaboratively. As you mentioned, you won't get there unless your glass suppliers change, your aluminium suppliers change. So, what is the role of collaboration in helping to overcome the challenges facing electrification at the moment? So, again, great question. I think that you know, my industry is an industry that has been always very centric on you know we were doing everything alone and this has changed dramatically because of new technology because of sustainability so we cannot do it alone anymore of course we are used to work with uh, suppliers but we're changing this sarah to partners it's not the same thing you know if you think of a supplier of a partner with a partner you open everything, you show everything. And all together, you create a win-win situation in which both of us are going to grow. This is what I was telling. The scope one and two of my supply of my partners <laughs> is my scope three. Now, so this is one thing, but it's not enough. We also need to think ecosystem. It's not good enough to be one by one. It's ecosystem. Very important. 
<laughs> I give you one example. We decided to work with five large corporates, five startups, one NGO. So everybody in the same room, two days to share best practices and to see, to learn, you know, from, and, and again, you know, the, the large corporate and the startups, they're not at all in the same space. But being all together, exchanging, is absolutely wonderful. And we learn and we accelerate because, again, we don't have a lot of time. So if we want this to happen on time, quality, cost and sustainability, we need to also weigh the way we, we work and do it in collaboration, cooperation. I call it ecosystem. And I think that the strength is in the ecosystem. So you understood we are lucky enough in our company because we are part of a big group. So we have an internal ecosystem of companies within the group. But of course, when I think of ecosystem, I'm, I'm speaking of the group and out of the group find the right partners and people who have the same mindset, the same optimistic view uh, on the on sustainability. And I want to make it because they really understand that their company can grow, can progress, can be better. The society can be better. The kids will have a future, et cetera. Et cetera. So you understand the mindset. Completely understand that. And we've we've talked about this mindset change and those conversations in so many ways in terms of internal education, um, new conversations on the board, partnerships and conversations with suppliers. But I think something we should also touch on is conversations with um, the general public. I feel like this year in particular, the conversation on um, EVs has been, you know, full of a lot of misinformation, a bit combative. Um, so I'd love to get your view on how we can improve the conversation about electrification with customers and, and with the general public at this moment in time as well. Yeah, so you know we 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 have uh, in reimagine what we call the um, creators code, uh, and one of the code is a customer love. Easy to say, but what does that mean? It means that we really want to hear our customers, and our customers are very clear, Sarah. For them, sustainability is absolutely key. If we don't deliver sustainability, they might say, okay, we don't buy your product anymore. I'm sure that this will happen in the future. So we are anticipating this. Electrification for us is no discussion. I know that there are some discussions. Is it going to be on time or later? We don't change. For us, it's when we don't want to change any, we don't want to have any delays. We will deliver on our commitments. And you know what I like in this company? Uh, very. Um, and this is thanks to uh, our CEO. Let's make commitment, not blah, 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 you know, figures. So, you know, and then, you know, every year or every six months, you can call me and then we check. And again, I will tell you, oh, Sarah, here we're good. We're doing it. The customer like it. And here, not so good. I have a plan to remediate. And this transparency for our customers is super important. Today, I'm not telling you that we are in the right position. It's a journey, as I told you, but we are very clear on the journey, on the objectives, how we're going to make it, and we will transparently report on what we're doing, good things and bad things, because I know that some things will probably not be as good as they should be on a specific day, but I will tell it to you and I will show you the plan to correct this. 
And I think, you know, that's a, also a real way to respect your customers. That makes complete sense. It feeds into what we're seeing with, you know, avoiding greenwashing as well. It's all about having that data and being able to to back it up. And Francois, I could talk to you all day about this, to be frank, but I think we're just about out of time for this episode. So thank you so much for your time and your knowledge, but also for your for your great positivity. And I hope to hear more from you in the near future. That will be my pleasure, Sarah. Thank you. I could also spend hours with you. So maybe we do another uh, episode on your amazing uh, 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 podcast. I will be very happy to do it.